0: Welcome to all our listeners, and many thanks for joining us once again on the Cybersecurity Transformation podcast. I'm JC Gellard, I'm the Founder and Managing Director of Corex Partners, and today we're going to change slightly the format of the podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Oscar O'Connor as a special guest. The format is going to be probably a bit more of a pre-flowing discussion uh, compared to uh, what we've done in the past, which was a bit, a bit more scripted and a bit more... Focused on, on on certain themes, um, o- o- Oscar. We have recently published two pieces from you on the Corex Partners blog around the broad theme of um, transformation, transformation dynamics, and 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 business transformation. Many thanks for joining us, of course, on on the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners and and tell us a bit more what those two pieces are about? Sure,
1: and thanks very much for inviting me and for for publishing those two pieces. The 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 first well uh, let me start with by saying that the, the both of these pieces are are part of a, a kind of ongoing thought process around how transformation in general uh, and in particular technology based technology driven and security transformation um, needs to bring together uh, the, the the different mindsets of. Uh, the purchaser, their user communities, and and the suppliers. It comes from my own experience of 20 20 and more years working in technology-based transformation and uh, equally an overlapping 20 years working in in cybersecurity, uh, both for um, what we might describe as end-user organizations and for uh, suppliers, uh, and in both cases, you know, ranging in size from relatively small to absolutely enormous. And the the other factor, I suppose, that that has has played into this thinking has been the global pandemic, which has massively changed the the patterns of work for you know millions of people. Uh, I think we in the in. The loosely termed first world developed world um, have been privileged with readily available high-speed broadband, uh, readily available technology which has allowed entire businesses to move from office-based to working from home uh, and working remotely in general. I mean some of us uh, as you know JC have been working remotely for years because we're in that privileged position
0: but having worked
1: recently with a, a very large organized global organization which had you know, several th- tens of thousands of people based in India in campuses um, getting all of those people to enable them to work from home was a a really massive challenge both technologically and uh, logistically and as I've discovered with with several clients over the last sort of year or so, um, many organisations who were predominantly office based, and we can talk a little around the kind of mindset that that requires or certainly that that was kind of a result of, um, have found that, that they have had to change the way they think um, about management, oversight, team building, tasking. And I, I believe based on my own experience and, and the experience of others I've spoken to about this, that um, we're seeing a shift from kind of, uh, how would you describe it? From, from seeing people as productive if they're present and visible, to focusing much more on the quality and timeliness of the output that they're required to produce. And I think that can only be a good thing. Um, You know, the the, the culture of long hours in the office uh, in order to kind of show your commitment to the cause, um, which is really based on a, a very kind of machismo type culture uh, and takes no account of the fact that you know, people have lives, they have families, they have commitments, they have interests and you know if you're not 100% committed 100% of the time to doing your job then you're clearly you know, devalued in the eyes of the organisation. I would like to think that that mindset in particular uh, will change but um, certainly listening to some of the uh, pronouncements from the heads of some organizations, and yeah, I won't name any, but I'm sure we've all seen them, um, you know, really insisting on getting everyone back into the office as soon as possible because you know, the culture that they want to um, they want to enforce in the organization requires people to be present. I think I, I personally find that very difficult to understand. And think it's it's probably very damaging. I I believe also that the 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 other thing that that has happened in in the minds of business leaders in particular, and you know those of us who work in the technology sector, has has been a, a kind of realization that. Um, this pandemic knows no boundaries Uh, there are there are factors and that that kind of that that brings us to a a realization that there are factors that affect us all and the our ability to control nature in this case in the form of a disease um is not as strong as we might have liked to think Uh, we have as society since the Industrial Revolution, been you know, taking what we can from nature and giving very little back. And as a result, you know, there are there is a story published this morning that um, you know, climate change is accelerating at a rate that, that is rapidly approaching the point where we will lose the ability to reverse that direction. And one of the things that that set of um, drivers uh, has combined with a realization, uh, and uh, you know, we can also talk about maybe where this comes from the realization that shareholders are not the only people of value when it comes to um, understanding and setting direction for an organization. Um, I've become very interested in the the B corporation movement, which started ten years ago. Um, I, I only became aware of it in the last sort of year or so. Um, but the, the the primary kind of difference between a B corp and a uh, and a non B corp is that the the, the B corp uh, mandate, you know, the the terms of The Articles of Association, the the purpose of the organisation is to take the needs and aspirations of all of the stakeholders, and that includes the staff, it includes suppliers, it includes customers, it includes the communities and the environment uh, that the the organisation has an impact on. And that kind of broader thinking, when you sort of try and square the circle uh, and come back to the, 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 the primary message of, of part one of Playing the Triangles, which was about understanding that success in transformation uh, is not simply ma- measured by the delivery of some things, some stuff. Um, you know, when you set out to to um, you know, digitize a process. The fact that the process gets digitized is not the, is not actually the key factor in determining whether the, the transformation has worked, Is the result. You know, has the digitization had the desired impact? And personally, my experience is that over the last sort of 20, 30 years, too much emphasis has been put on delivering the thing that was specified by the specified time, not delivering the outcome that is required when it is possible to deliver the outcome. And whilst the the terms are, yeah, the sentences are short, I think the implications are quite long.
0: Um, Let me jump in here, Oscar. Please, please. yes. I'm, please. I'm, I'm. I think you're very rightly putting this into the context of the COVID. Uh, you know the this is about business transformation and this is not really possible to talk about business transformation outside that context because it has obviously dominated business considerations for the past two years across all industries for good for, for good or for bad we all know that some industries are absolutely thriving because of the the, the covid pandemic uh you know the the, the tech industry the logistics industry all, all the pharma supply chain and you know those industries are absolutely thriving and we know that at the other end of the spectrum some others uh don't know where this is going to end up I mean we're talking about hospitality and the airline industry the travel industry at large and so on and so forth they've gone through you know a, a two abominable years uh so, you know some will survive some may not this is this is and we have to deal with that kind of of pattern and the inequalities it will create same for same for people you know okay. some people have done incredibly well throughout the the, the, the the pandemic some people haven't okay some people have made a lot of money which they couldn't spend some people haven't made any money because they couldn't work okay uh, and and you you have all those different uh dynamics effectively which are emerging and and, and that's why i think you're absolutely right we cannot take the, the pandemic out of the, the, the context in the first part of playing the triangles you talk about why business transformation fails, and you explain that you know this is all about articulating a number of a, a number of of uh, of, of uh, topics together. You know, people, process, and technology, etc. And yeah. you end up with um, with the, your requirements, intentions, and, and and aspirations. And 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 I, I, I want to quiz you a little bit on that. Um, sure. But for me, the 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 the, the, the If I ask myself, in particular in the cybersecurity space, why is security transformation failing, Uh, irrespective of what has been happening throughout the COVID crisis, I think the main problem is that people ignore the fact that uh, none of that is, nothing is static in the type of environment we're trying to transform. You're talking about requirements, you're talking about intentions, aspirations of the various parties involved you know and and users budget holders suppliers but none of that is static and each of those things have their own life if you want their own dynamics and and priorities shift because of that and if and if you don't allow uh, sufficient flexibility in what you're trying to do and sufficient time you will just run out of options and that's what i've seen myself so many times in cybersecurity transformation projects, especially on, on a large scale, especially in large organizations. People are trying to do everything at the same time, over a completely realistic timeframe, ignoring interdependencies, ignoring the real um the real challenges involved in working with people, as you rightly put put, put in your in, in your piece. And 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 very quickly it just either runs off a tangent never to be seen again or it, or it fails and the business puts an end to it and something else something else uh, happens instead and all that fuels frustration for CISOs. it fuels the short tenure of the CISOs, and behind that all the problems in my view uh, many large organizations have had around um around cyber do you see this in the same way or, or have i gone too far here in relation to what you were trying to say
1: no i i think you you're seeing you're reading very nicely between the lines um if i can put it that way i i think the one of the, the issues in transformation in general and security transformation in particular is that need for agility and uh, i use that word very very cautiously um you know, having started my working life as a project manager um well started part two of my working life as a project manager, having been a a not fantastic developer. Um, I've seen project management as a discipline move from the incredibly kind of rigorous and very limiting methodologies like the original version of PRINCE, um, at one end of the spectrum, to what we, we now think of as agile methods, which strike me as a way of Kind of de-emphasizing um, results, actually, in terms of you know, making uh, what appears to be progress. And when you're in an environment which is constantly changing, you know, obviously agility and flexibility and the ability to respond to external events or try and even influence external events is really important. Um, the the absence or the, the the devaluation of the management of the process and the management of the different um, the different factors of you know, the needs of the organization in terms of, as specified in its requirements. Those requirements are very rarely the same you know a year into a project as they were at the beginning. The changes may the differences may be subtle. But they're certainly there. You know the, the the intentions of the supplier in any of these or you know, suppliers in increasingly complex programs. Um, they also change, and and unfortunately, in the 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 society we we live in, where huge numbers of the the supplier community at the larger end of the scale are listed on stock exchanges and thus driven by you know, effectively driven by quarterly numbers, and so you know, their intentions and their ability to deliver can change according to how the numbers are looking this quarter, and that can never be helpful in terms of you know, the relationship with with the client as an organisation and the client as a group of people, and that's why I have separately identified the needs of the organisation as described in requirements from the needs of the the individuals that comprise that organization in terms of their aspirations. Uh, you know, possibly could have used a shorter word like hopes. Uh, when we go into a project as an individual, we, we hope it'll work. And depending on where you are and what your job is, where you are in the organisation job is, those hopes will be different. Um, and sometimes they will be contradictory. And unless you know, you know, you understand what those are, you understand your community of stakeholders and what they want to get out of the program, and you bring those mindsets together, that's um, you know, in a, I suppose, a slightly, putting in slightly trite way, that you know, everyone's aspirations are not equal. Uh, some people's aspirations may not be compatible with the job they're doing. Um, Some people's aspirations may actually trigger a thought process within the organization which changes the requirement because the aspiration is a really good idea. Uh, And without those conversations and without that understanding, you may miss opportunities to either overcome barriers and let's face it, most of the barriers that um, transformation suffers from uh, stem from individuals and groups of individuals uh, possibly you know, for whatever reason um, you know, there are very few things that technology can't address there are very few things that um, organizations can't specify as required um, but unless the people involved are brought on the journey and buy into the journey and buy into the outcomes
0: Uh, someone somewhere will stick a spanner in the works Um, but people you know people work with people i want to jump in here because i think is you're absolutely right this is all about people and business transformation would be all about people and people work with people which is which could this could be taking us back a little bit to what you were saying at the beginning in terms of what's happening now with remote working hybrid working because i think i personally don't agree 100% with what you said, but we're going to leave that for another podcast, maybe, because I really think people work with people. And the interpersonal relationship, the value you bring when you are face to face with people, when you're in the same room with people, this is irreplaceable. And, And there is so much which is missed through hybrid and remote working models that I think personally that we... We, we, we're we going to go through phases but but people will need people but going back to what we were saying here about transformation for me it's all about people people work with people in the secret sauce here yeah. which is binding everything is is trust as you put it very very rightly in the second in the second part of of playing the triangles trust is absolutely key here and trust is very difficult to, to, to to build up, very easy to break as well, but very difficult to build up in the first place. And it's not just the trust between suppliers and end and users, if you want, it's also trust amongst the end user communities, oh, yeah. in, in between the end users communities. And, and you know, um, for, for, for execution failure, very often comes from some form of distrust, which establishes itself at, at, some, at, at a layer in the chain. And, and which starts breaking things down. And I've seen it again everywhere not everywhere, but far you know, in far too many occasions around around security transformation programs where, for example, organizations are set up in such a way that they build barriers instead of engineering positive dynamics, you know, for people to work with people. Yes. You know, barriers are barriers are built up.
1: That's that's so true. And I think it, it would be a mistake to see all of the barriers being, all of those sort of institutional issues being on the, the, the customer side, um, those you know, clearly um, I'm sure anyone in, who's had any experience in this field will have seen those in action and, and no doubt found them frustrating. Um, I. I I think we uh, certainly, in my experience, um, similar issues occur within uh, supplier organisations, uh, particularly um, when you look at the, yeah, the 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 larger scale technology vendors, technology service providers, where you know everyone experiments with different structures, but the one thing that they can't seem to eliminate is the internal competition between. Divisions between business units, between you know, whatever uh, label you put on them, to the point that you know, they will, even in front of a single customer, you know, push their own their own agenda rather than the company's agenda. So, you know, in in one example I, I worked with not some, very long ago, if the the you know, the, the, the supplier organisation had two main business units which looked after infrastructure and applications and that's a reasonable split so long as you have good communication between them because they are completely independent infrastructure is useless without applications and applications can't run without infrastructure i would have thought that was pretty obvious but then there are a whole range of tangential or or complementary specializations which cross the, the boundary between these two infrastructure applications. But if the, the the opportunity was led by either one of those groups, not only would they try and shut out um, the other, but they would be very, very nervous about involving any other specialisation that would have to cross the boundary between the two. Such was the internal competition between them, such was the desire to you know, each to outdo the other, and you know, that's just the most recent example. I've seen it in in pretty much every supplier
0: organisation I've worked in. And uh, I think when it comes to security transformation in particular, all those problems are amplified because yeah. security is inherently uh, transversal it has to cut across all those silos that's the only way to deliver large-scale security transformation it's not just about tech it's not about buying a piece of software and and, and rolling it out it's about m- making it work in the organization embedding it in in processes enabling those processes which are ultimately operated by people so we're going back to the people process technology triangle but se- with security it's made that that, that those transversal aspects have to be there. You have to cut across. You cannot imagine having a suitable identity and access management program of work without HR being involved in a large organization, without the business being involved. No, it it is is remarkable
1: how many identity and access management programs come to HR as an afterthought when they realize they need a valid source of data about the people that they're working with um i yeah I, I i think you're right you know in if if you kind of take a step back out of the, the world that we operate in day by day and think about you know what what a transformation particularly a security transformation is supposed to achieve in the end it's it should be and and okay this is a personal opinion but i i, I think you know, you'll find um but it's also just an expression of a a general consensus, that the, the less intrusive for the individual person doing work, the less intrusive the security controls are, the more likely they are to be effective. And so unless you bring those people into the process from the beginning and understand that if we take option A, It requires an additional two steps which which you know for the for the user, two more clicks or two more things to look up. That is not going to help them. We are, I think as a as a community, we are too intent on control for its own stake without balancing the need for visibility and thus control with the ability for the organization and its people to work effectively and deliver whatever they choose and and want to deliver for their stakeholders, whoever they may consider them to be. Um, If we don't take that requirement into account, if we don't seek to be as unintrusive as possible, we contribute to our own failing. We contribute to people seeking ways around the security controls rather than ways of working with them. And I think if we can build that process into the dialogue or that understanding perhaps into the dialogue around requirement, intent and aspiration, then we are far more likely to have a positive outcome for the organization that is buying, the organisations that are selling, and the people who work in both organisations. And when you have, as you you, you rightly identified the need for trust, when you have that working, collaborative working, which builds trust between the individuals in the organisations, they are far more likely to succeed over the long run and do more successful things together than if they see you know, if we as in the buyer organization see the the suppliers competing with each other uh to the detriment of our requirements or vice versa i hope that makes some sense
0: yeah i i, I agree with i agree with what you're saying people about about controls being as uh, you know as, as non-intrusive as, as as can be but it's a you know, it's always been a very difficult balancing act in security. Always, uh, because at the end of the day, the controls are the controls are there to protect the business from the threats. The threats are real. They are what they are. They evolve the way they evolve. And, and we have to keep adjusting the levels of protection. So it's always been a difficult balancing act. And I agree that the only way to to, to make this work is to weave it into the, the way you communicate around all this. And I would just add one thing. This has to be Um, true up to the top of the chain, if you want, and it has to be working top-down, not just bottom-up. It's not just about the security team communicating around security, it's about all the layers of management really communicating around security, bottom-up and top-down and singing from the same sheet, really, that has to be the key. Also, yeah. I think we're going to bring this to an end. I, it's, this is this is already quite long for the type of podcast we've been we've been running. Anything else you want to you want to add to 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 bring this to a close? I think
1: the, just to I suppose reinforce that final point that you made that you know the culture of every organization is is heavily influenced if not completely dictated by the way in which the leadership lead and. We need as a community to help our business leaders, our organizational leaders, re- sort of understand the the human dynamics that are so important in securing their organizations. Um, and if we can get that dialogue working effectively, and I believe that the best mechanism to do that is to ensure that the CISO has an equivalent voice to the CIO. Uh, rather than have one reporting to the other um, if we can achieve that then we'll go a long way to making uh, security transformation more successful
0: great well Oscar, thank you so much for for joining me this uh, on this this session um many thanks for your insights Ex- excellent uh, excellent discussion as as always thanks to all our listeners uh, obviously you can find all the all, all the details on the corexpartners.com website the, the two articles we've been talking about playing the triangles part one and part two are, are on the Corex Partners blog together with Oscar's details if you want to reach out uh, many thanks to all our listeners many thanks Oscar
1: thank you very much JC it's always good to talk to you
0: thank you